And, you know, I, I, I know one thing my mom has always said to me is nothing beats a failure but a try. And the worst thing you can hear is no, right? But oftentimes, Michael, the one thing, I, one phrase I live by is a no leads to a better yes. And there have been times that I've been told no, but that means something else was in store, right? There was another plan for me. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. My guest today is Elizabeth Blount McCormick, CEO, Columbus-based minority and women-owned travel management company, Uniglobe Travel Designers. She is also the recipient of too many civic and business honors to list here. A very dear friend of my family for over 20 years, it is a true pleasure to have her on the show today and introduce her and her incredible story to all of you. In this episode, we discuss the art of approaching business and life without fear, why a no often leads to a better yes, the importance of adopting a no fear attitude, how her family fostered her entrepreneurial spirit, the core tenets of business, build relationships, be genuine, what the retailer Gap taught her about business and success, working with Bono and Ali. Houston, doing business in the time of COVID, and the critical importance of innovation and creativity in entrepreneurship. Elizabeth is a true entrepreneur, one who has and continues to make her mark in multiple industries and on the world as a whole. Here's my conversation with Elizabeth Blount. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Betting on Yourself with Michael Red. I am here with one of my dearest friends, Elizabeth Blount McCormick, who is the CEO of Uniglow Travel Design, which is a travel management company. And I've known Liz for almost 20 plus years, 21 years, 22 years. <laughs> right. And uh, she is uh, she's a dear friend of our family and uh, we love her and, and Lee. And uh, I'm so glad you're on the podcast today. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, just being here with you. Like you said, we've been friends for a really long time and um, just have been through some different things, right? As, as friends, as family. So just appreciate having the moment um, and time just to chat with you. A little known fact, you taught me how to play spades. I didn't realize that. That's hilarious. <laughs> You've been playing spades during quarantine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I remember we were in Miami and you oh, taught me really? how to play. Yes. I remember. Yes. Wait, were we partners, Michael? We were, okay. we were, we were, we okay. were, we had some other friends with us and, and yeah. we, we had a great time so that we go, me and you go way back and so proud of what you've been able to accomplish in business, obviously as a woman, um, but, but a person of business and, and what you've done with the company and we can get into all of that and your family legacy. And, but I, I gotta, I gotta start with this question that I always start with all of my guests is what is betting on yourself and what has that meant for you? Um, I think it's approaching business and life and, and personal really without fear. And, you know, I, I, I know one thing my mom has always said to me is nothing beats a failure, but a try. And the worst thing you can hear is no. Right. But oftentimes, Michael, the one thing I, one phrase I live by is a no leads to a better yes. And there've been times that I've been told no, but that means something else was in store, right? There was another plan for me. Um, that I didn't have control over, but I had to have faith that, hey, there's something else that's better. So it's really just having the the no fear attitude. I mean, I do some things that I think people would think are a little insane. Um, 
But, you know, I'm like, let me just, I have to try it. I've got to trust myself enough to have the grit and the drive um, to try it and make things happen. See, I know you personally. And for those who know Liz, I'll, I'll say Elizabeth for the sake of the podcast, but <laughs> uh, you're tenacious. You have an incredible amount of drive. You're competitive because you hate to lose. I, I do. <laughs> so, so was there a moment when you were even a teenager or, or, or a child where you were like, hey, I'm a risk taker. I have no fear. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, I mean, I played tennis and, you know, and actually, Michael, just side note, I started um, training with my coach again. So I'll have to get back on that court. <laughs> oh, is that a challenge? Is that a, is that a there it is. There, there it is. is. There's a challenge. Um, but I, I think just, you know, playing tennis, right? And you know, this is such a, um, it's, 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 it's a really a mindset sport, right? And, and you really have to just kind of um, speak to yourself and, and listen to your inner voice, you know? And, and I think with, with playing tennis, and I played in a lot of tournaments and, you know, we made it, I think it was our senior, my senior year, we made it to like districts and I was proud of that, you know, at least we, we made it there. Um but I really think, and I mean, you, with with you playing sports in the NBA, just that sports background—it's something that um, just really, I think, developed a lot of, of my drive and, and, and my grit, and, and really just going above and beyond. And and that translates over, obviously, into business, right? You just like it's that no, that's not, and the no is not going to work for me. So it's finding out different ways to be successful, right? And. You know, in business, of course, a lot of there are barriers, but it's not that they're not, you know, blockages. Does that make sense? So it's like there's a barrier, but I can find another way to, to, to get to the end goal and, and to get to where I want to be. Is it safe to say that your family fostered that mentality growing up in that household and then obviously later on going to Spelman? Yes. And we could talk about that experience. But, you know, your family is entrepreneurial. Right. Right. So my, my father, you know, he was an ophthalmologist here in Columbus, had his own practice. Um, and my mom uh, really worked with him side by side and participated on a number of boards to help him grow his practice. And then with his business, the travel business that we own together, my mom's sister and I, um, you know, she bought the business really as a hobby. Uh, but she was a really strategic and person and, and really a savvy businesswoman. And so to your point, I really saw entrepreneurship um, throughout my life and with my dad's practice. My mom bought this business and saw the way that she was able to grow organically and, and understood the importance of relationships and being genuine. And I think that's the key thing. Like just, you've got to be comfortable in your, in your own skin and who you are. And when you are, people can, people are receptive to that because as we know, Michael, people like to do business with those they know, trust and like, um, but being genuine and, and being confident and self-assured is really uh, a characteristic that I learned you know, from my parents and, and just how driven they were. Um, and that success, it takes hard work, but you put in the hard work, then you'll reap the benefits later. Uh, and that's really what I saw growing up. And so being an entrepreneur was just something that um, I knew I wanted to do. How did going to an HBCU prepare you for what you're doing now? So um, a couple of things. The thing is, being at Spelman College, which is, you know, Black Women's College in Atlanta, um, it was a situation where race wasn't the center of um, my, my focus. And meaning, you know, I went to a private school here in town and um, there were, you know, a, a handful of, of black students there. But, you know, of course, race would come up. Right. Um, but it was nice to be in, a, in an environment where we were empowered. Um, we were obviously our, our kind of our mantra is a choice to change the world. 
And we were you know, constantly um, supported and encouraged to be the best. And, um, you know, with, with that experience, it was nice not to have to think about race for a while. It didn't come up. You know, we weren't, we weren't so um, hyper-focused on that. Sure. But in addition, we all wanted each other to be successful. And I see that, like, my, my network from going to Spelman um, in, in Morehouse, which is the all-male co- black male college right across the street from Spelman, is just, it, it's incredible how I, I can just see things. And if, if I have a question, if I need something, if someone needs something from me, it's just, it, in, a, in a heartbeat, we'll help each other. And, you know, and that um, kind of support is just what has just been just incredible for me. You know, and then you look at what recently happened with, uh, you know, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, Black yeah. woman, HBCU grad, Howard University. Um, she's, we're in the same sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. But all those things are so empowering for HBCU grads. I mean, honestly, growing up, grew up in Bexley and then went to um, Wellington School. And, and people honestly thought that going to an HBCU was less than. And so now what's encouraging is that, well, if it's less than, then I don't even know how you can even say that because we've got the first woman vice president-elect who was a black woman, right? Who went to an HBCU. And then you look at Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms and all the phenomenal work Stacey Abrams did in Georgia, you know, and, and, and the movement that she made. And she went to an HBCU as well. And so what I'm really thrilled about is that HBCUs are really being, they're, put, they're being put on the map now. And people are saying like, wow, like these people, because we're, we're all taught in, in really um, entrenched this, in this environment where we are self-assured, where we can accomplish anything. We just have to work hard for it, but that we're, where we deserve to be there. Right. And I think that's apparent in, in what we've seen. There's so much talk now, Michael, about HBCUs, right? And you see people like Deion Sanders, he's coaching at, at an HBCU now. It's incredible yeah. just seeing how there's such a movement, you know, and, and, and black colleges and universities were necessary. Because we, you know, back, you know, back in time, we weren't able to go to predominantly white institutions. So it's just, I'm so proud of that, obviously. You know that about me. I love Spelman College. I love, um, I'm so proud that I I had that experience. um, And that really shaped me uh, to to be the woman I am today. You were the first person I I knew from Columbus that went to HBCU. Really? I know there's others. Yeah. 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 It was, it was to the big universities and things of that nature. Um, HBCUs, HBCUs have certainly produced some of the biggest and brightest stars and brains right. the world has ever seen. So, uh, and you're one of them. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so you, you, how inspiring was it for to see your, your mom be entrepreneurial? I mean, a woman right. leading the show, a right. black woman at that leading the show. Right. How inspiring was that growing up? Well, it, it, it definitely was because, you know, the thing is, and, and that I like to see, I mean, my mom at first was a, a stay-at-home mom with us, right? I mean, she and my dad, they had us later in life um, and you know, she wanted to make sure that she was present when we were growing up, like in you know, our elementary school years. But at the same time, though, she also made sure to do things that were important to her, right? So she was on different boards and she was on the, when my dad, he practiced at Grant Medical um, Hospital, I think it's Grand Medical Center now. But the thing is, is that we were able to see this woman who was a mother, but who was also, you know, on boards, running her own business. And, and and the thing that was really encouraging to me is that she also had my dad's support, the way you support a kid, right? So it's like you, you can you can coexist, but you can also have um, the things that are important to you, and you can you can be successful in those rights. So it was great to see my mom being, you know, supportive and successful as a mother, as a wife. 
um, but also as an entrepreneur and, and watching her grow the business. And I mean, when she was growing the company, she, she grew organically. So she really didn't market, which that was interesting. She didn't have to. Wow. People knew her. So she was, I mean, at the time, I mean, it was in the 90s. So social media wasn't really there. But when I first moved back home in um, 2006, she was like, well, what do you mean? What do we need to, why do we need to do this? Because she didn't have to. You know what I mean? So it was right. kind of interesting how it was really more about like that, that wasn't necessary. Whereas now, like you, you need both, right? You've got to have those strong relationships. You have to be genuine, but then you also obviously have to have a presence on social media. It needs to be a positive one. You have to have positive reviews. It's all those different things. You have to have people that will refer you and endorse you. Um, but it was just interesting just to watch her and, and grow this business where, I mean, she, she was the first black vendor to have the Ohio State University, to have the entire account, right? To provide travel management services. So, and probably, honestly, we're probably one of the few black companies that, that have honestly had a contract with Ohio State and had it for a very long time. So just looking at that um, was super inspiring because I said, I thought, well, if, if, if we can do the Ohio State University, then we can do anybody, right? I mean, seriously, when you're here in Columbus, you, you look at that and then realize like, there's so many opportunities out there and that's just a stepping stone to get, you know, to get to the, to the future and, and to take the next steps and really to expand business and, and go farther than you ever probably imagined. You have an incredible family legacy and it's, it's been amazing to watch and, and know people see Elizabeth now and they say all the awards that you've won, the list is too long to, to list, but <laughs> um, which is a credit to you and your leadership. But it all began actually with retail. That's right. And you were at Gap and you lived all over the country. Um, right. Talk about experience, that experience. And and you didn't necessarily have being a CEO of the family business as a plan initially. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, Gap, they had a, a program called the Retail Management Training Program. And so I went to San Francisco after I graduated from Spelman College. And then I moved to Miami, Florida. Uh, they, Gap had a corporate office there at the time. And then after that, I moved up to um, New Jersey and commuted to New York City to work for Bono, the head singer of U2. He has a clothing line called Eden that's sold in like uh, Bergdorf's and Barney's and Eden Marcus. Um, and I was a business traveler uh, that for my last uh, stint in retail when I was living in Jersey and working in New York City. And I would travel to New Delhi, India. I've been there about five times, Tunisia, Portugal, and Peru. And I remember um, when I was doing that, like retail is, is really a, a hard uh, business to be in. And I, I don't know if people realize that, but it, it's just, it's very stressful. And you know, so the travel was pretty intense and can really wear on you. And I, I remember that I was having a conversation with my mother and my sister. We were on like a little con- our little weekly conference call. And my mom said, you know what, I'm going to sell this business. Um, you know, your dad and I were going to travel the world. It's time. He's he sold his practice. We just want to do that. And so my younger sister and I said, don't do that. We want to move home. We want to try our hands on entrepreneurship. And so that's kind of how things fell into place. And then I obviously stayed in Columbus. I've been back here since 2006. My sister, she's um, obtained two master's degrees, one from Georgia Tech, the other from Georgetown. Now she's working in diversity, equity, inclusion. But, you know, with the business, though, I just decided that I wanted to figure out like, what is this travel game about? How can we be successful? How can we make money? And where do we need to be? And so I merged myself like, you know, in the Columbus culture and, and community and the business community. And there's a lot of support for women entrepreneurs uh, here in town. And really, I looked at some people that I admired and, and respected and wanted to understand what their paths were and how they got there. 
and then mirrored some of my kind of behavior and actions um, following theirs. And at the same time, you know, obviously keeping a, a, a pulse on what's happening in the, in the travel world and again, relationships. I had two acquisitions since I became president um, and CEO of the business. One is outside of Atlanta. So I spent a lot of time here, there. And then, you know, here in Columbus, I bought another new book. So, you know, I think it, it was just that when I moved home and, and was working side by side with my mother, I thought I, I like this entrepreneurship um, situation. I like being able to control the culture. I like to be able to hire people based on content of their character and not the color of their skin. You know, we don't discriminate. I like having the the um, choices if we need an attorney or a photographer or whatever we need to be to give people a chance that maybe would right people that look like us, Michael, maybe wouldn't get an opportunity, but I'd love, love to give them one and then see if I can help them grow their businesses. So just found a lot of um, gratitude um, and, and being grateful that I have that opportunity. Now, as you know, being an entrepreneur can be stressful, but um, the, the, the good points outweigh the bad. Sorry, nope. I'm talking a lot, Michael. I no, just- this is good. This is great. <laughs> I mean, you, you said something that was so casual though, right? I worked with Bono and I worked with Bono's wife, right? How was that experience with working with Bono's wife? Okay, so she, um, you know, I think that at the time he was, Bono was on his North American tour so He's the lead singer for you too. Let's right. be clear with that. Yes. That's right. And he was on the road and Allie Houston, his wife, she wanted to start something that was impactful. And the, and the whole premise of the brand was to create social, socioeconomic sustainability, like in under, in, you know, under underserved regions or, you know, in really economically challenged areas. So in India, you know, we work with smaller factories. I mean, the, the, our unit orders could be like 50 or 30. Does it make so? Sometimes we had, you know, it wasn't like working with the Gap where we were manufacturing a half million pairs of denim jeans for women, right? So it was a smaller kind of boutique uh, uh, brand. And so, you know, with that, the, the items were special and one of a kind. And I remember like when we were working with the designers, we'd have like a few samples that we would never make again that a lot of us kept because they were just so um, just so unique, right? And they were like these, these gems of things that we did. So, I mean, working with her, um, she... She was great. She was encouraging. I know that the thing that was interesting is when she met me, um, she flew in from Ireland to, to meet with our team. And we were, you know, again, a, a small team, but in, our office was in Soho. And um, she was surprised. I think about how young I was. I think she was surprised that I was a young black woman, you know, and that I was handling things and, you know, running, you know, running to, um, <laughs> you know, just running to the garment district to buy buttons and things that we needed. Because remember, it was a smaller line. So there were things that we could get and we could just, you know, get those things done in house. So um, she was definitely uh, uh, just a, a cool woman who was, who was finding her voice, I think, you know, and this was something that was really important to her. And, and they traveled a lot to the different uh, facilities and vendors just to make sure that people were being treated fairly. So it was, it was a good experience. It really was. That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I'm sure, you know, along with making this big bet on yourself to become CEO, um, you took a lot of the experiences that you had with corporate and particularly with all the travel around the world. And you probably had to say to yourself, hey, I can implement some of these experiences within Uniglobe. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And also as a business traveler, I mean, I realized what I didn't like. Does that make sense? So, yeah, 100%. For the smaller brand that I, so when I was working for Bono's company, Eden, we didn't have a travel management company. And so I would just call here and I would book my travel through the, the office, right? Through, through my mom's business at the time. 
Um, and, and I, because there were things that I wanted to know, where's my seat assignment? Is a car picking me up? Um, because in India, you know, I would fly over from Newark or from JFK. I would arrive at like two or three o'clock in the morning. Um, you you want to have a car service there. You want to have someone who is driving you around even when you're there. It's just different things like that. And I realized, well, the way I'm traveling right now um, is, is what I want. And I know what customers want uh, as well, because I was a business traveler. And you want to be able to yeah. have someone you can call and, and talk to if there's a problem, because with travel, things come up. And clearly, COVID-19, uh, this pandemic has definitely uh, been a wake-up call, I think, for a number of people to realize having an expert and having someone who's your advocate on the travel side is key and necessary um, because things come up and it's nice to have someone that will advocate for you. And that will tell you what's happening. I mean, when this, this whole thing first to happen, I remember we would receive uh, 40 or 50 emails a day per airline about all the changes. How long does your credit last? When can you, it's just things like that. Um, it was a lot for, I think the general public to keep track of, but I think, you know, understanding like, let me just have someone take care of that. I, I, t- I say to people, we have experts in so many different things, personal trainers, Pilates instructors, right? Just so why not have somebody who's an expert that can utilize right, their relationships, right? So we utilize our relationships and connections in the travel space. You don't have to think about it, but you know, it'll be taken care of. And, you know, from just being a business traveler, when I was working, you know, with, with, with Fribano and traveling like crazy, I just, there were things I was just like, I want, it needs to be easier. It needs to be seamless. I need to be able to talk to someone if I need something when I'm traveling. I need to have somebody reaccommodate me if I'm not happy and not comfortable. So those kind of things definitely came up. And, and I understand when I'm talking to people about their travel needs and, and the pain points and the, and the frustrations on how to flip those and, and turn a, a negative situation into a positive one. Yeah, you're the middle person for the client, there which, you is, go. which is awesome. And you're terrific <laughs> at it because I know firsthand how many times <laughs> I've called you at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and say, Liz, I'm stuck here in Australia or wherever right. I'm in the world. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you've been terrific in that regard and, and it's, 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 it's amazing the customer service that you guys provide. And we'll get to that in a, in a moment, but I want to deal with something that is, um, really intriguing to me, taking the big bet to work with family mm. in business, being the CEO <laughs> of a family owned business. Talk about that dynamic. Okay, sure. So, I mean, again, my mom, she just turned 80 last June. So when I joined her um, in the business, I mean, she had done things a certain way. And also, she wasn't looking at the business to make money. It was just a hobby. So that's an important point to make because when Jacqueline and I first moved home, we were like, we got to figure this thing out. We need to be, we, have a, we need to have a presence on social media, just all these different enhancements. We needed to make sure that our reviews were done properly, our handbook needed to be updated, what are our procedures, our evaluations, quarterly evaluations, like what are the goals we have? We needed to just put some kind of some, some checks and balances in place to, to run um, more like a corporation, you know, instead of a mom and pop. And I think sometimes with family owned businesses, there's a fine line between there's a way to blend both of those worlds. So, you know, my right. dad experienced major corporation, right. Then Bono, smaller company. So I brought all those in to this, um, you know, to, to this situation. But I will say that um, my mom, even though she's 80 years old, she is super open. And, um, and and willing, she really trusts me to make decisions. And, um, you know, she just, she, she doesn't hold me back. And I think that in some cases, the generational differences can cause challenges, but I've been fortunate enough where that hasn't been the case. And I'll tell you, first with marketing and, and social media, she's she like, what is this? But she sees the power in it, 
right? And she'll see the power and how many viewers we may get for a certain post or, or just different interviews and things that, that come from just being on social media. So that has been great. Now, of course, you know, we're, we're a family and we're close. And so we've had, you know, conflicts and moments where we, maybe we didn't see eye to eye, but the mutual respect is there. And I think that is the, the, the thing that's key. And I know a lot of people can't work with, with family, um, but we just figure out how to do it. And again, it's the respect. We ebb and flow. We understand what, what strengths are. I mean, what someone's weakness is my strength, right? And what my weakness is, is her strength. But just, again, understanding the, the greater good um, is what we're focused on, right? Taking care of our employees, making sure they're happy, they're, they're feeling fulfilled, and obviously uh, taking care of our clients. So yeah, it worked out well. <laughs> no, it, it has, it has, and it could be really tricky working with family. Right. Um, but you said something about customer service. There's a quote that you say all the time that the customer is always right, no matter what. And right. I think that is something, if anything, you know, can hang his hat on is customer service. Agreed. And that is true. I mean, the customer is always right, regardless. And, you know, I, and it's like, the, the things happen. Travel is stressful. Uh, and our whole job is to take care of, of, of the customer. Right. And there have been so many times when things have come up and I, I've said to my to, to my team, like, don't say no. We need to try. So, for example, we had a, a client, a lawyer here in town in Columbus had booked a trip. And then there was some kind of mix up with American Airlines and the, the, the client called American Airlines and they kept telling me we can't refund these tickets. It was like eh, ten or $12,000 worth of tickets to Europe. And so I said to my uh, team member, I said, look, why don't you reach out to our rep? And just from saying that, uh, we were able to get his tickets refunded. So my point is, is that like, and he was, the customer was upset. He's like, look, we had to cancel our, this, this amazing trip we planned to Europe because of COVID-19. We don't know when we're going to be able to travel there and we want to get our money back. And I agreed with that. Right. The customer is right. Even though the customer was told by American, they can do it. Even though my one of my team members and called American, they were told the same thing. I said, let's just take it a step further. And that's what our job is. It really is to to advocate um, for our clients and, and to not take no for an answer. Because oftentimes we've been able to make miracles and things happen that just the general public couldn't do. Makes total sense. And you've done that in an incredible way. From my perspective, you didn't just come to this company to maintain it. You came to grow it. Right. Talk about that within your DNA, that risk-taking DNA that you have. You implemented that into the business. And, and talk about how important innovation is and creativity. Okay. Yeah. So so as far as like a couple of things, like I don't know if we've talked about this, Michael, but you know, we, we bid on, like when we bid on corporate business, sometimes we have to respond with the RFP, which is really like a business biography. Mm-hmm. But I'd been on one, uh, I forget how many years ago, maybe 20, it was 2014. Um, we bid on 2013, didn't win it. And I sat down with the decision makers uh, at a company here in town. And it was a really tough conversation because he was kind of like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even talking to you? But I bring this up because at the end of the conversation, he said to me, do you want to grow your business? And I said, I do. And he gave me a little post-it. And he said, write this name down and, and go on LinkedIn and find her and tell her I sent you. And just from that conversation, you know, I reached out to this woman who um, is a senior VP of this company called Vizient. It's a, a multi-billion dollar healthcare organization. And with that, I was able to get a contract with Vizient within six months. It typically takes three years. And I mentioned this because that really was the game changer for me. Just like having the conversation was a tough one, 
But I mean, obviously he saw something in me. He saw that, you know, I was having, I was there, I was present, I was engaged. But additionally, he knew that I wanted to grow my company. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's been incredible just about this relationship with Vizian is that number one, I'm the only travel management company that has a contract. Number two, they have um, salespeople selling my contract constantly. So we have clients in 30 states now. And the game changer, though, is when we've been on Children's Hospital of Los Angeles' business and we won that. And I knew if we could service clients, you know, a client in California, we could service clients anywhere. And that's really when I think I flipped the switch and realized, like, I'm not um, landlocked right here in Ohio. Like, there's just so, there's so much opportunity out there. And then just from that relationship, I have a contract with another consortium. So it just kind of, I realized, I'm like, what is this about? And um, I need to, uh, to really study this and understand like what the opportunity is. Mm-hmm. But again, obviously just developing those relationships, you know, and, and Michael, you'll probably remember this. I was in Tucson, I was like a couple of years ago and I was just, I was like, I don't know, sleep deprived. And I, I texted you and Akia and I said, I really want to grow this like celebrity athlete. Yep. And you guys are like, okay, you know, and I said, I just got to figure out how to do it. And then, you know, from that, it's just kind of things happen where there was a relationship, you know, from, um, from Spelman, from, from one of my classmates in Spelman, where I was able to get my first, you know, entertainment client for lack of a better term, but then that led to other things, but it's just about, you say something, you focus on it and, and you can get, you can make it happen. I remember that conversation. Remember that? Yeah. yeah of course I do. I know Absolutely. you do. I know Absolutely. You do. Yeah, I, I I think that has served you well. If you had to compare the crisis of 2009, how did that prepare you for what we're dealing with as far as this pandemic in 2021? Hmm, that's a really good question. I mean, I the one thing is is that when you know the crisis erupted in 2009, I decided that we weren't going to be at the mercy of one particular client. And so I spent time really diversifying our client base. And so with that account, I was just talking to you about the healthcare client, well, the healthcare account rather. I mean, the hospitals are still traveling, right? Not to the significance of what they were doing in 2019, but they're still, we're still booking um, hospital systems that are, you know, they're, they're working on the vaccine. They're still participating in trials, like healthcare still has to continue. And so I just decided not to, you know, in 2009 was a really, very tough time, as you mentioned, but I just decided that I wasn't going to be at the mercy of any one particular client. And I really spent the time diversifying my client base. So despite the fact that COVID, you know, erupted, um, you know, 2020, and it was definitely, it was a, it took a huge toll on the business, but still, I mean, we had, we had clients, we continued to bring on new business. And even though some of them were not traveling, they still saw the value in having a travel partner. We we're looking forward to getting to the other side. So I, I, the thing is, too, is also just seeing opportunity in so many different places. Right. And, and one thing that, that we did, uh, we would have like lunch and learns and, and happy hours uh, uh, in the evenings. This was t- probably towards the end of March, all the way through the fall. where We highlight different, different suppliers all over the world because we want people to continue to dream about travel. Because um, we know travel is 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 something that we all love to do. It's the, the only thing you can do that makes you richer, right? I mean, it's just like the experiences and the the um, memories that you create. And I and then with that, um, you know, I, I want to be the the company that people think about when it's time to do that again. You know, and again, you know, we've also partnered with a number of our suppliers that we work with to have Zoom calls where we would give an opportunity to our clients to ask us questions: What is travel going to look like? What are the hotels saying? What about the airlines? That kind of stuff. 
Um, it really just we spent we spent a lot of time being informed and, and really being the experts in the travel space. But it's just it's it's not getting down. It's it's looking at the opportunity and and you have to keep going. And that's one thing uh, that I really learned from the 2009 uh, time frame and how tough that was. Resiliency, right? Which is, yes. a, which is a huge word. Um, it, have you found it? I'll, I'll, I'll make a statement more than a question. I feel like there's been a ton of pressure to lead in this moment of time. Talk about that nuance, right? Of, of leading in, in a pandemic, leading a company, mm-hmm. right? There's new reality among us. There's a new reality among us. Mm-hmm. So with that comes a new adjustment, new pivots. Talk right. about leading in this time. Okay. Well, I think the the one thing in, in being an entrepreneur is that you have to, and you're, when you're a leader, you have to be calm, right? I mean, we, we've all had moments, but people are looking to us to, to, to be calm, to lead the organization, um, to take care of the, the hard stuff. And I think with that, um, there's a great responsibility that's there, but it's also uh, making sure there are a number of options. And so I think, I think with that, um, and it really communicated. I mean, when, when this first erupted, I was having conversations with my team like every day via Zoom just to let them know, hey, we're going to get through this. It'll be fine. Uh, I was very transparent um, and, and upfront um, because we had to furlough some people just because the business just wasn't there. But it's it's being honest and, and, and letting people know, like, this is what I'm doing. And, I, and, I, and, and that, you know, hey, a lot of people are unemployed, but I'm working my butt off so you don't have to be. So it really is the community being uh, just upfront and communicative. Like we just had to, I just knew that that's one thing I wanted to continue to do is just communicate and let the team know what was happening and and the actions that I was taking. People are grateful for that, right? I mean, I've I've received so many thank yous and that they appreciate what I've done and will continue to do. And that just makes me want to continue to lead and, and continue to grow this business. With travel taking the hit that it has taken over the last year, mm-hmm. um, how important has it been for you to continue to educate clients on travel and, quite frankly, continue dreaming about vacations? Right. I mean, I think that's been critical because, as you know, a lot of people have um, just, you know, pandemic and COVID fatigue, right? They're just exhausted. I mean, think about this. I mean, we could just leave anytime we wanted to. We would have. And for you in particular, you'd have golf trips and family trips and then you and Kia getting away. So it's all these different things that we have not been able to do. Um, but the thing that has been critical is to make sure that we are knowledgeable about what's happening with all the, the suppliers and vendors that we work with, um, that we know what's happening, even on the end um, of travel insurance, what's happening with our different um, the different destinations that you can travel to. I mean, all of that stuff, we, we are well-versed in all those conversations where we can really advise people, if you want to go someplace, this is where I would go. Like, for example, with the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, honestly, locked down COVID-19. So there was a time that, like, Jamaica, Aruba, the Bahamas, um, they Antigua, they just really just took COVID seriously, and their cases were minimal. And even Mexico, now Mexico recently has had a, a, has had a significant outbreak. But prior to that, when people would ask me that if, where, the, where they should go, I would just suggest Mexico or, you know, an island in the Caribbean because they really locked down COVID. But again, that was like that 
that's my job, right? To understand what's out there, to, to look at the COVID cases, what are the positive uh, positivity rates that, you know, the different places that people want to go. I mean, at that point, you know, during the summer, it was actually safer to leave the U.S. than it was to travel around here, right? Yeah. We had people that were interested in, you know, and I think we even talked about like, you know, in, in renting a, in, an RV and, and taking a road trip, but it was a little um, scary at the time because the cases were just all over the place and we didn't know any news of the vaccine. Now the vaccine news has come out. I think that people are um, more encouraged. I am. I can see that people are like, okay, we're going to get a handle on this thing and we'll be able to get back to uh, and seeing the world. And I think too, Michael, people are, are realizing that that trip that maybe, or or that it's not even like a, people were saying bucket list. Don't use that term anymore. More use living list. And I think people are creating their living lists um, and, and will take, take advantage and, and really create those memories and see parts of the world they never thought they could see, right? I think that the, the pandemic has really reminded people, again, we've gotten more centered about what's important and, not, and then also even more focused about what we want to do once we can travel again and, and see our families again. How important have testimonials been for Uniglobe in this time? Oh, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing. That's the bread and butter, right? People want to understand that uh, right. this is true, that She's not just talking, that they really do walk the walk. They, they practice what they preach. They actually deliver. And that has been critical for us um, because people want to want to have someone to talk to. You know, they want to have a, a human voice that they can relate to and ask those questions and find out about our service. So that has been critical for us and for our success. What advice do you have for leaders and entrepreneurs in 2021? Hmm. I think it's, um, you know, you, you can't have tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, and, and really, if, if there's something that you, you thought about doing and there was a voice in the back of your, your, your mind or that was telling you not to do it, I'd say take the risk or lose the chance. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a great time. I think that people are looking for um, relationships, they're looking for partners, they're looking for, you know, they could have been missing something, you know, from a, a product standpoint or from a service standpoint. Um, because only the strong are going to survive this thing. Um, mm-hmm. I know in my space, a lot of travel businesses have gone out of business um, because they maybe they just had like a small niche they focused on and everyone may have canceled all their trips. So they have no income coming in. So, you know, it's it's about um, really seeing is there, there a piece of, of business that I haven't thought of? Is there, a, you know, a facet or, or just a unit that I could think about or, or to, that I could develop um, in my company? And that's what I would suggest entrepreneurs to do. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, last couple of questions. You love to give back. Uh, talk about how important that is for you and your legacy as far as giving back and, and trailblazing for other women behind you. Okay. So um, a couple of things. You know, we have the vitamin D program that's set up with our company. And so for every uh, vacation that's booked, we give a portion of our profit back to charity. And I think it's important to uh, to do that, to really contribute and to give back to the communities that we serve. And then in addition, I, I love talking to um, entrepreneurs that, that maybe are, you know, solopreneurs or just, or just beginning your entrepreneurial journey um, to share with them the things that work for me, uh, the things that maybe didn't. I think it's important for us to share with young people um, our, our success stories and success looks different in so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, but the, the steps that you can take to get there. Right. And so I love talking to entrepreneurs and, and really to, to women and then obviously, you know, 
black men and women that are entrepreneurs are thinking about getting into the, this field and want to start a business, um, just to share with them some of some of my best practices and some of the things I wish I would have done differently to hopefully help them you know, make not make those same mistakes, but maybe get further ahead, you know, in a quicker manner. If you had any advice for your 16 year old self going back in time, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for yourself? Don't burn bridges. Mm. Mm. I think that, you know, that's one thing I've always been a person that can get along with anybody. So meaning that I just, I didn't, I wasn't in a clique. I was just able to just to be cool with a lot of different people. And that has served me well um, as an adult. Right. It's like, and, and, and also Michael, like that time in high school is such a small part of your life. <laughs> so <understand laughs> what it is, it's small, but it's not your whole world. Right. Make the most of it, but just don't burn any bridges because you just never know how people can kind of come back into your life and, and when you'll need to interact with them or when you may need something or they may need something from you. So we went back in the past. Let's talk about the future. What's next for you? Wow. Well, I want to have clients in all um, 50 states. I'd like to be, uh, you know, the travel management company of record for um, a number of um, entertainers and athletes because, you know, there's been a commitment to work with black owned businesses and I'm the only black and women owned travel management company in the U.S. So I want to continue to get the word out there. Um, Eventually, you know, I, I think we'd have an office probably on the East Coast and on the West Coast. So, you know, California and then East. And that's it for right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> After that, that's a lot of different things, right? <laughs> wow. Just full of vision. That's who you are. Yeah. And I am so proud to call you a friend. And uh, just um, me and Akia both are honored to call you our sister. So you are you are amazing young lady. Um, and thank you for being on this podcast. Um, it's been a quite a joy. Well, I appreciate you, Michael, and everything that you're doing. Um, and just having the opportunity to catch up with you and connect. Thank you so much. We owe each other lunch at some point. When we can. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you've heard from Elizabeth Blunt McCormick and the secret to your success is betting on you. Thank you for listening. To me, Elizabeth is the definition of no fear living. When it comes to business, life, you'd be hard pressed to find a more inspiring story than hers. Her blend of guts, intelligence, grace, and empathy shine through in everything she does. And she has never shied away from betting on herself. You can follow Elizabeth on LinkedIn at Elizabeth Blount McCormick and follow her company story on Instagram at UNIG. L-O-B-E-T. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Michael Red, and remember, you are the secret to your success.